Welcome to Girls Camp. Today I am joined for the second time by JC Marie Smith. By popular demand, yet again, when I did my little box of who should I interview in LA, everyone's like, JC again, JC again. I was like, perfect, because JC's coming over. I love the campers. I love Girls Camp. And I'm so excited to be here. I feel like so much has changed. Yes. Has it been like a year almost? I know. I was trying to think. I was going to look at the episodes and see when you came, but it was... It feels like it's been almost a year, which yeah. is crazy. Because I think it was like summerish last yes. year. So it's been a minute, but I'm like, I am a different person. I feel like so much has changed in every aspect of my life yeah. since we recorded the episode. So yes. I'm so excited for a new fresh one. Me too. I'm also so excited because if people want to hear your whole play-by-play story, they can go listen to that episode. That story is out there. And now we can just like dig into this specific thing today which is infertility, because we are both IVF girlies, infertile girlies. Literally, we are sisters in Zion, we are sisters in Christ and IVF. Exactly. And it has been, I'm just so grateful that we met when we did. And I feel like there's the infertility thing and the IVF thing, but I feel like you and I also relate pretty deeply on like motherhood stuff and what it felt like to go through infertility. So I'm just very excited to talk to you about it because I think we've both been sitting on some, some thoughts and some feelings about infertility. Totally. I feel so connected and like you understand me in a way that I have always felt pretty misunderstood, especially growing up Mormon. Mm. And it's so nice to have someone who has had like quite a parallel journey in a lot of ways. Just, I mean, uh, there are some differences to our timelines and our stories, but I feel like, yeah, just kind of the the thoughts and feelings and kind of unique layers surrounding all of it. We share a lot of similarities. Yes. It's such a niche. Well, thank you for saying that. First of all, I feel the same. It's such a niche experience because the infertility thing adds so many layers to the already layered motherhood Mormonism thing. And then especially as you're going through it, as you're maybe like talking to people about it or doing that publicly, there's just truly so much there. So I'm excited to get into it. Me too. I want to start out just by having you kind of walk us through your infertility journey. And as best you can remember, because I was trying to jog my memory earlier of like, how did I feel at this point of the infertility journey? It's like kind of hard to even recall, but as best you can, just like what kind of steps you were doing and what was coming up for you along the way, especially as it relates to faith and Mormonism. Looking back, I feel like the infertility journey and the faith journey, if we want to call it that, were so intertwined and were really happening simultaneously in so many ways. Like you mentioned, obviously in the first Girls Camp episode, I kind of dove into like my faith journey situation, but I feel like, yeah, during it was also this infertility thing where we, Leif and I started trying to get pregnant when we had been married for like four years. Mm -hmm. So now we've been married for eight, basically. And it's funny because I thought I was like so mature for waiting that long. Like we'd been married for four years and I was like, that was something that we consciously did not want to get married and have kids right away, which I already felt like we were pushing back on kind of, you know, a narrative or a 
thing that pretty much everyone around us was doing, which was getting married and immediately having kids. And so we really wanted to like travel and get our careers in line. And we uh, moved to California shortly after we got married and we wanted to like be settled and just, we had goals that we wanted to reach before starting to try for kids. So when we were, I think I was 24 and I was like, I would love to get pregnant and have my first, or I'd love to get pregnant by the time I'm 25. Like that was kind of my, I was like, in my ideal world, I think that would be good. Looking back and of course, you know, we can talk about the whole timing thing and hindsight and all of it. Looking back, I'm like, that's still really, really young. But at the time I felt like I had, you know, waited and I was being mature about it. So yeah, we started trying to get pregnant and to make a long story short, we couldn't get pregnant naturally for like a year, year and a half. And so we went and got some testing done, found some irregularity in Leif's sperm, which they attributed to most likely him having cancer. He, he had um, childhood cancer, went through chemotherapy, rounds of chemotherapy. And so they were like, that could be it. But if you, you know, you can try IUI, you can try IVF. And we did three IUIs. None of them worked. That was a few summers ago. That, so that was after like a year and a half or two years, I think of trying naturally. Mm-hmm. Then I basically took like a two, I mean, I don't want to say a break. Cause like we still not to get too in the weeds, but it's like we're still trying <laughs> yeah. essentially. Cause it's like, you're we're not, not, we're not, not trying, using birth control, yeah. whatever, but we weren't like actively doing fertility treatments for like two years after we had, we did three IUIs. They all failed and we can get into this whole time period, but after those failed, I was not well mentally and it was in the absolute midst and probably the deepest of like my faith crisis where I was just like, oh my gosh, who am I? Why isn't this working? Like, am I doing something wrong? Because I've heard all these things, you know, if you're following and you're doing all all the church stuff, right, you'll be blessed. And I'm like, is that why it's not working? Mm. Because I'm literally not following the guidelines. Do I want that? I, I was also so stressed. I remember, again, this was a few years ago. I was probably, I think I was like 26 at the time, maybe 27 when we were doing IUIs. And I remember being stressed about like, even though we're paying money and I want the IUIs to work desperately, I remember being so stressed about the concept of like, are we going to get our kid blessed? Like if this works and I get pregnant, I'm so stressed about being like, I I just didn't know at that point I was not confident in my decisions because we were like kind of trying to like still be in the church a little bit. But I was like, I don't know if I want that for my kids. And I was so felt so much anxiety surrounding all of that. Obviously they didn't work. So I didn't have to worry about being pregnant and all of that. Yeah. But you were already considering like, what would this even look like at that point? Yeah. With the, the first year you were trying to get pregnant before you did the IUIs, where would you say you were at mentally and with faith stuff then? Like, were you already kind of questioning things when you decided to start trying to get pregnant? How did that line up at that early stage? I was already questioning things. I mean, I've been questioning things since day one, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Since I was 12 years since old. Since your blessing. <laughs> yes. Since my baptism. I was just thinking about just the fact, and I don't know if I shared this on our initial episode, just the fact that I've always been such like a why person. Like, why? Like, you know, if someone tells me to do something, I'm like, okay, but why? Like, there always has to be a deeper reason for me to follow something. And a lot of times just growing up Mormon, I was simply not satisfied with like, well, we just have faith. I'm like, that's not working for me. So I've always kind of had that energy where I've always been like, 
a little bit skeptical or questioning certain things. And I really feel like it needs to connect for me to be doing something. So it's been a struggle for me literally my whole life within the church to like, not to follow the guidelines. Honestly, I was like very straight laced. Like I followed everything simply because I just was a, the golden girl, like teacher's pet type of energy. But in the, in my mind, I was always just like, why am I doing a, B and C? So what was the question? I forgot. Oh, at the beginning, um, I've always been questioning, but I don't think I was as stressed. I was, I think in that era, I was more like, oh, we can go to church sometimes and I don't have to believe all of it. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt. Like, you know, yeah, I'm Mormon. If people ask, I'll say I'm Mormon. I'll go to church sometimes. I don't have to constantly, like I'll wear my garments sometimes, but that's how I felt. I was very like, not a big deal either way, kind of. You can just, yeah. And then you feel like with the, so you couldn't get pregnant, you got the testing, the IUIs, why did you find that so devastating? Do you feel like that was the catalyst for putting you into that harder spot with faith? Like, did that push things along with your faith journey? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think when I think back, something you mentioned in your recent episode with Jenna that really stuck out to me is like, I think the reason the IUIs were so devastating Yes, I'm putting in time, money, energy. Of course, all of that has to do with it. But a lot of it was just simply my programming of your entire role and purpose in this life is to have kids and it's not working for you. And that coupled with a lot of my best friends were getting pregnant. So when I look back, I'm like the desperation, the sadness, the anxiety. If I strip back everything, I don't think I was that. I don't think I would have been so devastated. It was really just the comparison to me of like four of my best friends telling me they were pregnant all within that time period, me feeling like I'm doing extra stuff and it's not working. Yeah. Why is it because, and then again, to be like, is it because I'm not being righteous? Like I'm not doing the right thing. Is it, who am I? Like, what do I want to do? If I, like I said, if I do get pregnant, it just was so much anxiety and layers. And I think that that not working weirdly, it put me in like the hardest place I've ever been. But I think that it also was this catalyst, which we can go into this after. I think I, I, I didn't consciously say like, I'm going to give myself three months to be sad. But I remember I was really sad for a few months, mm-hmm. very down, not myself. I was just like, Oh my gosh. And then something switched. And I think it had been probably three or four months since my failed IUIs. And from that point forward, I think it was a year or two, I felt like I had one of the best years of my entire life. In the midst of still going through infertility, I truly felt like I was so much more connected to myself than I'd ever been. And I felt so much more confident than I ever had while still going through this really interesting weird thing. And I think it was kind of the shedding of that comparison and that programming. I, I remember having kind of a moment where I was like, I'm still pretty young. And I was just trying to be very logical. And I was like, life is still worth living. I have so much in my career, in my relationship with life, but there's so many places to travel. I want to like start this business. I just had so many ideas and I'm like, life is still amazing even without kids. And I don't want that to invalidate anyone. Obviously I was going through it too, but it's like, I just kind of had these realizations that I think really, you know, it took me from my lowest place to being like, maybe life is not horrible and maybe it's not my only role and my only purpose and the only thing that's interesting and acceptable and important is to be a mom like maybe there are other things totally and it really opened me up to have an amazing year 
That's so impressive you were able to do that because there's so much there. Being surrounded by people getting pregnant, as you were saying that, I was remembering I tried so hard to get my brain where you just described you were at. And I would feel that way. And then I would get on Instagram and I would feel that way. And then I would go be around women. And it was just like, wait, I'm trying to convince myself, not even convince myself. I'm trying to be in tune with myself, which myself is saying like, it's okay. It's okay. And you don't need to be pregnant right now. You don't need kids right now. But everything around me seemed like it was telling me the exact opposite. Every Instagram caption was my life was gray and now my life's colorful because I have a baby. (laughs) My life was empty and now my life is full because I have a baby. And I don't think you realize how much language there is around motherhood that feels truly like knives to the chest, especially if you're going through infertility, but also probably if you've chosen just like not to have kids or if you've chosen to wait. Society, especially our spheres, it makes it really hard to do that. Yes, especially that culture. If you are in a highly Mormon populated area or all your friends and family are Mormon, it makes that really difficult. While you're saying, oh, I would I would feel like that and then I'd get on Instagram. I don't know if you remember that I deleted Instagram for six months. So smart. That was during that time. Yeah, so smart. And I did that because I felt the same way. I remember being like, I'm happy. When I strip everything back, I'm happy. I feel content in my life I feel you know just all these things but then I would get on Instagram same thing like my entire explore page would be just pregnancy announcements and gender reveals and people saying those same that same language of like I didn't know love until this happened like I didn't know what it felt like to really love my partner until I watched them be a dad and I was just like okay so my life is pointless exactly okay so (laughs) great (laughs) I deleted Instagram and that was a huge reason like I think I just really wanted to be in this like creative flowing space. And I'm like this, I have to be, you know, self-aware and and realize that like every time I get on here, it's making me feel less than, and I don't want to feel like this. And so I I deleted that for six months. That was, um, that was during that year that I, I really like feel like I found myself to, you know, so smart. Honestly, it makes such a big difference. I thought about a lot when I was still trying to get pregnant. Okay, if you were going through infertility 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, you might go out to the restaurant and see a pregnant woman and that could feel triggering or you could see kids running around at the, you know, as you walk by the park and that could feel triggering. When you're going through infertility in this day and age, the triggers are times a million. Constant. (laughs) And you're seeing, again, that language, that way that people speak about motherhood it just is really, really extra hard because you're not comparing yourself to the few friends in your life, which is hard enough, but you're comparing yourself to everyone. And something about the Instagram algorithm. They know. They know. They know what you're going through. I'm like, why are you throwing salt in my wounds, Instagram? Like Instagram specifically was super, super hard. And yeah, that FOMO piece is so hard when we were talking before this, you also mentioned the, the fact that people get celebrated so differently for pregnancy and motherhood. And I think that came up for me a ton as I was trying to get pregnant too, because I felt like it felt like the only recognition and attention around me was being given to mothers. 
And now I don't see it as much that way, but still I think there's so much to that of, especially in our culture, the attention and the accolades are given to mothers way more than women doing any other type of thing. 100%. I mean, again, now I'm surrounded by a lot of women who are not as much in the culture or I have friends outside of Mormonism now who I feel like really recognize a lot of, you know, not just for me, but themselves, just recognize success in other areas. But I think with my entire family and my extended family and Leif's whole family being Mormon, that is very much like, you know what I was, I was thinking about how interesting it is that almost people's devastation for me about my infertility made it worse. They just be so, you know, my IUIs didn't work and it was like, this is the worst thing. And I'm like, I already thought it sucked, but like now that you're so sad for me, which is so sweet, but it's like, oh, so this is the most important thing. It's reiterating that thing that's like the only important thing in this life is having a family, being a mom. So if you can't do that, like we're just so devastated for you. And again, it's very kind that they were feeling for me, but it's like I would go to family events and it would always be, you know, either before we like years back, be like, when are you having kids? When are you having kids? And then once people caught on that, it's like, okay, we're having some challenges. So like, maybe let's not talk about the kid thing, but it still was like, I, I just have like memories of, you know, going on tour for my podcast or doing things that to me are like really big accomplishments and super exciting. And just like with my family and friends who are Mormon, essentially them just like not finding much importance or recognizing those successes. I'm not really talking about my immediate family, but like kind of beyond and just being like, Oh, how's your ward? Like how, when are you, you know, all about just family. And I'm like, what about the podcast tour that I went on? Like, what about these other really big accomplishments in my life that have nothing to do with being a wife and a mother? Like, is that important? And would it be the same way if you were a man and you had all these career accomplishments? Would the questions always be about when are you having kids or would there be more celebration for career milestones? Like how gendered that is. I feel like that was a huge recognition for me as well was realizing when Bentley and I were both going through infertility, for some reason, it seemed like the devastation was always on my behalf. Mm-hmm. And to your point, it's it's so kind when people care. But I remember people saying things to me like, oh, mostly women who hadn't even tried to get pregnant yet. And they would be like, oh, like infertility is my worst nightmare. Like, I really hope I'm not infertile. You're like, <laughs> I'm living the nightmare. Yeah, I'm Thank like, you. okay, so you're <laughs> telling me I'm living your worst nightmare. Awesome. And I, you know... It's hard. It's hard to know what to say. I don't even know what to say to people still, even though I've gone through it. Like it's, it's a really delicate, hard thing. So I, I have so much grace for people, but it is interesting how it feels so much to like a woman's thing to bear. And I felt like that was such a huge kind of glaring thing for me was realizing, okay, obviously it's harder biologically because you're having to physically do the things. And that already felt like biologically unfair, but there was also an element of it to what you're saying where it's like, why does this feel like if I don't become a mother, then I'm broken and my life is devastating and empty. And it doesn't feel like men are treated in that same way. Not at all. No. I mean, there's just, there's a million things I could say, even when you were saying like, you know, it's, it's put on you and the broken thing, like in our situation, 
and not that I would ever want anyone to blame Leif either, but like the only information we had ever gotten was an irregularity on his end, which again, this is a journey we're going on together. I would never put that on him, but it's like interesting that people still were like, oh, so what's like even comments I get like, oh, so what's wrong with you? Like, so what happened? And I'm like, it's not even on my end, which is what it doesn't matter whose end it's on, but it's like, you're still putting it on me exactly. <laughs> because I'm just the girl. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like there's such a deep level of, I felt, and I'm curious if you felt similarly because we've talked about growing up and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we've connected on the fact, like we were not the kind of girls who were like, I am carrying my baby doll around everywhere. Cause I can't wait to be a mom. I'm so excited to like braid a child's hair or whatever. Like totally. that was just never something I was super drawn to in the same way I felt like many women around me were. And then I tried to get pregnant and I was like, oh great. So my worst fears are confirmed because I never felt like I was so made to be a mom. And now I can't even literally become a mom because of infertility. And it kind of just solidified these narratives of like, you're not enough of like a a natural. Exactly. Like this isn't coming naturally to you clearly. Exactly. I could not relate more on that. It's like such an interesting thing to have grown up not being desperate to have kids. Whereas I have a lot of friends who really that's like been their thing since, like you said, like carrying around baby dolls, babysitting, just being like, I love babies. I want to hold your baby. I've never been that type of person either. And if anything, I feel, feel like my entire life, I've had a bit more of like a masculine energy to me, just in the sense of like, I remember having conversations with my friends in high school and then being like, I can't wait to like marry a guy and have him buy me this. And I remember literally not like not to be a pick me girl, but I remember being like, wouldn't you just want to like do it yourself? Like to me, it just felt so much more gratifying to have um, success on my own, I guess, and not like rely on a man. And again, that's probably deeper issues that maybe I was (laughs) overcompensating and trying to be too independent. Yeah, we both have daddy issues too. Exactly. Yeah, that's also, yeah, that's also a parallel. Um, Yeah, but I, I always felt like that. And so I couldn't agree more. It's like then to be like, scared I've always been scared that I'm not going to be a great mom because of in my eyes when I was growing up like my selfish tendencies that's what that's how I I pictured things is like you know I I related a lot to what you were talking about with like your mom you're like I'm obsessed with my mom she's an amazing mom but I like wish she almost had more for herself growing Mm -hmm. up and I think that my mom has done a pretty good job at living her own life. She's very independent as well. But I even find myself now being an adult. And if if my mom ever says just stuff about like, oh, well, I need to get home and do this for like her calling or for this. I'm like, I push back so much on it for her, like on her behalf. I'm like, why? You don't need to be doing that. You deserve to have time for yourself. I'm so just like, no, like, and um, where was I? What was the first thing? I don't remember what I was connecting that no, to. No, I really appreciate how you said that you connected it in your head to being selfish. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's what I was going Because for. I've never crystallized that. But I think that is the conditioning, right? Because it's a wonderful, beautiful, amazing path to just literally never get married, never have kids and go travel the world. That's incredible. That's a beautiful, rich, lovely life. But yet in our culture 
we have that's been the taught most devastating to, thing exactly. of all and selfish yes it's so selfish yes and exactly. you're missing out on all of the joy and the beauty life has to offer by essentially sacrificing yourself for other people yes it's the self-sacrificing for me I think like to be and, and that's okay that's what I was trying to connect it back to I swear I didn't want to be this person but I feel like the pregnancy brain the pregnancy thing is like a real thing where I will talk and I'm like where was I going with this? Like, a million percent it is. So having a podcast, being on a podcast, I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. I don't remember. Like nothing's connecting in my brain. But yeah, the selfish thing. I think you hear all the time. I remember the last time I went to church. I don't even remember when it was, but it was some talk about like how amazing his wife is because she essentially sacrificed everything for for their family. And I just remember legitimately wanting to cry like on her behalf because I was like, I hate that so much. I hate that that's what being a good woman and a good wife and a good mom is literally sacrificing every single part of yourself on behalf of other people, not having your own maybe life and hobbies or things for yourself because you just have to give it all up. And that's what makes you so amazing. And like, again, my mom, I think has done a really good job at like, she's always had hobbies. She's always had little businesses and I really admire her for that. But still, Still, I sense that in her of just like needing to please people and like really undervaluing herself also being like doing favors for people. And I'm just like, I push back on that so hard and I always have. And I think that especially when you're in that culture, that comes across very selfish. I don't, I I remember thinking, you know, I would be at like a family event or something. And my mom, my aunt, my grandmas, they're all incredible bakers, incredible cooks. They, they're they're cooking, cleaning, they're in the kitchen, like hosting. Yeah. Yes. Hosting Queens. And again, I admire them so much for that. But I remember growing up almost pushing back and just like hating the fact that it's like, okay, so we're the women, we do this and the guys get all go and watch TV and go play games while we cooked them food. They ate it. And then now we have to come on all the girls do the dishes. And I just remember being like, why? Yeah. Literally, literally why? <laughs> because we're girls like this is so annoying. And so because of that, I think that narrative or like what I saw, I think I mentioned this in our last episode. I'm like, that does not sound fun to me mm. at this, at the core level. It's like, I'm not getting even deep with it. It's just like, that does not seem like a fun life to have to like cater to everyone, clean up after them, go to sleep, exhausted, wake up early, make the kids lunch. I'm just like, that does not sound fun. Yeah. Like I don't actually want to do that. No. <laughs> yeah. Like that is not appealing to me. Totally. A hundred percent same. And I think with the motherhood stuff, that is like peak example of that, of the best thing you can be as a mom is to give everything you can possibly give. And then there's nothing left over for you. And what a good mom, what a good wife even. And it's so sad on so many levels I also think it's so counterintuitive because that does not, in my opinion, end up serving the children either. No. Do you think that's sending the best message to your kid? You have to sacrifice everything in order to make another being be okay. And like, obviously with motherhood, like pregnancy is a great example. It is a sacrifice. There is so much truth to some of these narratives, which is why it's such a difficult thing to talk about. Look at you now, you're pregnant. You are sacrificing so much because it just period 
point blank is a sacrifice. Is what it is, yeah. And I think it's wonderful that we also acknowledge that and acknowledge what a sacrifice it is. But (laughs) there's just so much that I find myself kind of going back and forth on because I understand that, yes, women do sacrifice to become mothers. They sacrifice to be pregnant, to give birth, etc. But also, it seems to me like, well, then shouldn't we almost help balance that? Like, like I what talk- do we have to then continue to sacrifice exactly. every day and night for the rest of exactly. our lives? Like, can we get a break? Exactly. And that's why when, with like Bentley, for example, I still will sometimes say to him, like, remember all that that I did with infertility and pregnancy? And I feel like if anything, that should give me some leeway to like, maybe now use these years a little bit more, quote, selfishly, or just be able to take some more time for myself because for so long I was doing such a physically involved thing of trying to get pregnant and then being pregnant. And so it's funny that there's no balancing of those scales because biologically, if you are carrying a child, you are going to have to sacrifice more infertility. You're going to have to sacrifice more, but it feels like instead of there being a balance, it just is like this never ending cycle of just like giving and giving and giving that I'm with you. I was just like, wait, no, <laughs> wait, mm, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. But then you're trying actively to get pregnant. And so you feel like there's almost this, I don't know. I almost felt sometimes while I was going through infertility, I had to like make caveats on my experience of like, no, I really want to be a mom because I know that I want to have children, but I'm not so desperate to be a mom or I want to be a mom in this different way. I felt like I had to justify that even from the jump because I was doing so much to get pregnant. It's really complicated. (laughs) It's like such a mind F because I feel the exact same way. It's just so weird to not be desperate for something to be a very, I feel like also my whole life I've been very much like you know, I, the, the cookie crumbles, how it crumbles. I lead with my intuition. If things happen, great. If it doesn't happen, whatever. And, and this was like one of the only things in life where I was like, okay, so it's not happening. And logically, like I am going to have to take steps to make it happen. And I remember saying like, I don't want to do this. This is not what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I don't want to like stick needles in myself every day. And like, pay tens of thousands of dollars to get something that I'm not even so desperate for, but then I am desperate in a weird way because of my upbringing. And I feel like if it doesn't happen now, then well, what's my life going to be just so many layers. And then when it did happen too, like I had a failed transfer that was super hard. And I remember being like, okay, so I obviously do care. And I obviously do want to be a mom really bad because I'm sobbing over it, not working. So clearly I feel you know, like that's something that I really want, but it's almost like, because I've always had this, not identity, but kind of, of just being like, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a career girl. Like I don't care too much. Then I'm like, oh my gosh, but then I'm sobbing on the floor over this. So it's like, I do care. And, but I also don't want to give off this desperate energy. Mm -hmm. It's so much. It's so much because I think I, I've been trying to parse out lately where my desire to have children came from. And what I've been realizing with infertility, which is why I really admire that break that you took, I could not have where I was at mentally. I think that's like really shows a lot of self-awareness 
to be able to do that. I knew I wanted kids eventually. I actually thought I was going to be infertile. I don't know. I had a hunch for multiple reasons. And so I was like, you know what? Let me just try and we'll just see what happens. But when you're trying that, it's like the typical, most basic psychological phenomenon of you want what you can't have. So the more you try and the less you can get it, the more you want it, Mm -hmm. regardless of what it is. Right. So now I have this programming and this conditioning and this layer of the Mormonism thing. But I also have just what I think happens to anyone going through infertility where you just get desperate. I was at the park the other day and there was this mom and she had two kids and they were pretty close in age. And she asked about the twins. I told her they were IVF and she was like, oh my goodness. Before her first daughter, she miscarried a few times and she's not Mormon or anything. And she was like, the desperation I felt. And then she even said that she had her next kid so quick after because she was still in this mode of like, I'm so scared that I'm going to miscarry again and I don't know what's going to happen. And it made me sad, obviously, like that's so devastating. But I also realized how universal I think that infertility layer is too, where once you come to terms with the fact that you might not ever get to have kids, you're panicking. Yes. And it's like, if it's not, I would just always like be doing the math. I'm like, well, if it takes this long, then I'll be this age. And then if I want multiple kids, like, well, then what, you know, you just start, you do start panicking. And I think something that, like you said, pretty much any human, if they can't get it, it's like, okay, well now I'm scared. But I think even to double down on that, like something that I feel like both you and I share is like a desire to succeed. If we're trying for something, we will make it happen. And I think that was one of the only things in my life where it's like, oh, it's not happening. Like I'm doing everything that I can and it's not happening, which makes me want to literally double down, triple down and be a psychopath and be like, no, this will work. Like, trust me, this will work because that's how I've been just my entire life with anything. Yeah. And then, but again, I was trying to be like self-aware and be like, "Hmm, okay, let me take a step back. I don't want my child to be brought into this world just by this very like, no, this needs to happen. This needs to happen like for my own gain. You know what I mean? Mm, like interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Just so many layers of, of trying to figure out, like you said, like, why do I desire this? Trying not to be desperate for it, but also do everything in my power. I don't know. Yes. And that control element. I remember this was before we had ever met and I was listening to what we said and you were talking about infertility and you said that you said essentially most things in my life, I've been able to set a goal, make a plan and get there. And infertility is so devastating because it's truly out of your control, but it's also you and your body. So you're faced every single day with what feels like just a failure. failure. Yes. And you can't really do anything about it. I mean, obviously there's medical interventions, but that resonated so deeply with me at that point because I was going through infertility then too. And I just remember feeling like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's it. Like everything else in my life, I've been able to really kind of set my mind to and just work at it. But infertility, it's not like the work pays off so much of it is just like luck. Yes. And then you start feeling with infertility. I don't know if you ever went down this rabbit hole, but I would have, again, well-meaning people text me, oh, you know, cleaning products have endocrine disruptors. And I was like, 
okay, so now do I need to like get all new makeup, all new hair stuff, all new cleaning products? Do I need to go gluten-free, dairy-free? Do I need to check every ingredient on every... And I was like, that's not fair. Like, I can't be expected to do that. But with that same mentality, I was like, oh, maybe I do have to do that. Maybe that's the work I have to put in to get a baby. But then, of course, you look around and it's like, homegirls drinking a shit ton of Diet Coke and she has four kids. Oh my gosh, I couldn't relate more. I feel like... And again, I own that to some degree I brought this on myself because I opened up about infertility with a large platform and that is what you're signing up for is opinions and people saying things but I did feel very overwhelmed with the amount of like you should drink this herbal tea you should really do acupuncture and and I think so during the time I was doing my IUIs the first time I was doing all of that I was like Mm. eating so healthy drinking herbal Chinese teas doing acupuncture once a week or maybe even more I can't remember I was doing everything and none of them worked and I was like I'm done. I was like, sorry, bye. That that's when I hit the rock bottom and I was like, life is still okay. I'm not doing acupuncture anymore. I'm not drinking these teas. I don't care what's in my makeup products. Like I just had to let go of something because I'm mm-hmm. like, this is taking over my life. And I don't even have never even wanted to be a mom that bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, and I don't want that to come across the wrong way. No, I, I get it. But I know you get it. And it's like, I have always known that I'm going to be a mom. That's how I felt. I feel like I've always known I wanted to have kids. So I want to make that clear. It's not like I like literally hate children. Okay? <laughs> I'm very excited to be a mom. It just has, you know, I've had this love hate relationship with all of it. And, and truly just the idea of motherhood that was presented to me at a young age, I didn't connect with. And we can get into that too, is like now I connect with such a different version of how I picture myself being a mom. And it excites me so much. Like I'm yeah. so excited for that. But yeah, I, I had to give up on all that too. I was like, okay, bye. I don't care about any of that. And I don't care what I'm eating. And I remember people being like, make sure Leif is like eating these things. And again, I would look around and be like, my friend's husband eats freaking hot dogs. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> it's just like, this is so dumb. Yes. There was a time where Bentley, we were like so deep in that rabbit hole. He was cycling a lot and people were like, oh, that can whatever sperm, whatever. So we were like, should you stop cycling? And I was like, this is crazy. This is truly crazy. There's only so much you can do. Like there's just really only so much you can do. But those kind of messages and that kind of advice just affirms like, well, you're just doing something wrong. No, this is like a medical situation. Some people need more medical intervention, period, because of how we were born. And this brings up an interesting thing, which I'm curious your thoughts on with the whole God's timing, God's plan for you, because that was the layer that I think was a huge shelf breaker for me was hearing so many times this is God's timing and being like, if this is God's timing, then I don't want any part of that kind of God because that feels really cruel and really unfair. And that was a layer that was really hard to know how to make peace with. Like, I don't, I just ultimately couldn't make peace with it. And so I had to completely abandon that narrative. But then when I did get pregnant and now that I have my kids, I look back and I'm like, like actually, God's timing. <laughs> actually, God's real. And <laughs> the Mormon church is true. <laughs> no, but there is, you know, in retrospect is so different, but I'm curious how that felt for you when I'm sure you were getting that kind of messaging too, about like all on God's timing. Oh my gosh. I want to talk for three hours about God's timing because <laughs> 
first of all, the only evidence I have of God's timing being real is that I got my chin implant and my buckle fat removal before I got pregnant. Thank you, God. <laughs> Thanks, I literally, God. <laughs> thank you. I was like, he knew I needed that. He needed, knew I needed a little bit more snatched jawline before I was going to like, you know. He's like, let's give puppy. her infertility yeah. so she has some time exactly. to get the face done. Exactly. Um, that was also something I did in my yeah. slay year. I was like, I'm getting plastic surgery. I was just like, I'm done revolving my life around this. I'm literally getting my plastic surgery I've been wanting. Amazing. I'm doing all of it. Um, okay, now my the pregnancy brain happened again. God's, oh, God's timing. timing. Okay, so I think that God's timing, divine timing, like whatever you want to believe is a beautiful belief. I think that it's a very comforting belief as well to have and to hold. But I also think just as a word of advice... I feel like when you are saying it on behalf of other people, that to me is where you lose me. Because I think if you yourself want to be like, oh, this feels really good, like really good timing. Or if you believe in God and you're like, this is God's timing. I really believe that. Again, I think that that is, it comforts you and it makes you feel like, okay, life is just like whatever working out for me. And I think that's great. The second you're going to come to someone else and say, this is just God's timing. This is God's plan for you. When you haven't even gone through the experience is very convenient. It's very easy. It doesn't allow you to go deep with someone Mm. or it's very surface level to just be like, it's the same with grief. Like if someone has a loss and you're just like, oh, you'll see them again. Don't worry. Like this is God's plan. It's like not going there with them, not being like, hey, I see you and this is probably really hard. And like, I'm here for you. And you know, I don't know what happens and you don't know what happens, but like, I'm here. It's just like having this answer where it's like, oh, that's just, you know, God's, God's timing. timing. So it'll all work out. It's like very, what's the word I'm looking for? Like dismissive. Yeah. Diminishing. Of, diminishing all yeah. of it. And I would get that all the time with the infertility thing. It's like, this is just God's timing. I look at their profile. They have like four kids. I'm like, <laughs> I'm sure it is. Like, what was God's timing for you, yeah. Jennifer? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I just think it's not I I think it's not cool to like put that on someone. Again, if you want to believe that for yourself, I think that's amazing. And I think it's a way to make peace with, I'm not saying that it's not true, but like it is a way to feel comfortable about things and to make peace with things and to cope with things that happen in your life. And I feel the same way where I'm like going on this tangent. I'm like, it's not real. And then I'm like, this timing is really, I really like the timing actually of me being pregnant. Like I feel so much more confident. I feel so much more at peace with so many things. This feels really good. And so to some degree, it's like, I get it. But I just think to say it on behalf of other people going through a struggle you have never had experience with, even if you have had experience with, honestly, because you're not them. Totally. It's just, no. Such a good distinction. You can't tell someone else something about the timing of their own life. And I think for me, like my current working belief around it is that things happen. Like for me, the infertility was on my part medically. I was born that way. My grandma has endometriosis and genetically I got endometriosis. I don't believe God gave my grandma endometriosis. And then out of my four siblings chose me to have it because God wanted me to go through this really hard thing for me. That to me, like I said, I just couldn't it felt too cruel. Okay, why would God choose to give this thing to me? And you could argue, well, someone else has something hard or whatever. I don't like thinking about it that way. I don't either because it also feels very like tit for tat. It's like, 
let's compare trials. Well, you went through this and then they went through. To me, I feel the same. I don't have a firm belief system, honestly, on much at this point. I feel like my beliefs are very fluid, but I don't like that energy surrounding you know, you, you got this trial because God wanted to give it to you. It it actually makes things so unfair to me. Like when I see people, I'm talking, when I see people going through something absolutely horrific, I'm just like, I don't believe that God would be like, and you, you're yes. strong enough to go through yeah. this absolutely horrible tragedy. We'll give you infertility. That's pretty hard. I'm just like, that doesn't feel good to me to compare, you know? And again, it feels very convenient to be like, well, this is just my trial. And it's like, well, what about all the people who are born into like poverty and all these horrible things? Totally. Did God just not care about them? I have been thinking about that so much. This is so out of left field, but I saw this TikTok of like an athlete talking about how mm. he's like, oh, it's all like glory to God. Like the reason I am where I am is like, God, 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 you know? And again, it's like, that's fine. Have your beliefs. But I was thinking even the, he, they like got a big win and he's like, it's all God. Like he turned something into something great. And I'm like, so what about the other team? Uh-huh. He doesn't care about them. Again, what about the kids who were born into poverty, whose parents abused them? They just weren't able. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I'm like, but God wants you to win God the wants football you game. To win, and he really cares about that football game. Yeah. I'm just like, it's not mathing to it's me. It's not the math ain't <laughs> mathing a hundred percent. I also feel like what's so dangerous and harmful about the God's timing narrative in certain ways is I interpreted it as God gave you this because you need to learn something from this. And I remember feeling so consciously like, okay, I'm trying to learn Like searching for the lesson. Like, what is it? Let me learn it. Let me learn it. And so once I learn it, then I'll get to be pregnant. And that was also kind of doubled down on because I'm sure you heard this too. When people are like, once you stop trying... You know, after you, my, I know someone who did three failed IVF cycles they and then they vacation. got yep, and got pregnant. And so you feel like the game of infertility is just to be at peace with not getting pregnant. And then that for me was kind of confirmed on this moral religious level of maybe God is just teaching me that I have to be okay with God's timing. And once I'm okay with it, then I'll get pregnant. And that was such a bad place to be mentally for me because it made me mad at God. It made me mad at myself. It made me feel like a failure even more deeply than I had been feeling like a failure. And for me, I really had to disconnect from that entirely because it just was too much. My brain cannot, my heart, my brain can't handle feeling like God is giving this to me and like waiting on me to learn something specific exactly after my failed IVF transfer I always think I've like learned the lesson I'm like okay this has been hard yeah I get it now (laughs) like I get it and honestly after my failed IVF transfer I feel like throughout this whole fertility journey if anything to me it's almost confirmed that to for my own belief system that there is no rhyme or reason for a lot of things that's what I've learned through it To me, I think seeing so many other people's journeys too and seeing them be like, I did acupuncture and then I got pregnant and then seeing someone else be like, I cut out all this and I got pregnant and then, you know, whatever, seeing my situation and being like, oh, I had this failed transfer, but then I did this test and I got pregnant. I'm like, it's just random. There's nothing that like, there's no answer. There was no one lesson, one answer that you needed to learn. And again, I think like having the platform and having a lot of people be like, you should do this, you should do this. My friend did this and it got pregnant. It's like, 
that's awesome. And again, any advice is great, but at the same time, it's to me, it only confirmed like, like when I had the failed transfer, I remember being like, I don't care. Like I not, not, I don't care that it didn't work, but it's like, again, I'm not going to now be like, what teas should I drink? Like, I'm just like, it's random. Like yeah. it, it's it going to happen or it's not going to. It, yes. Like it is what it is. This sucks so bad. But then going into the second transfer, I had like very low expectations. I would have been devastated if it didn't work. I have so much empathy for people who keep doing transfers and transfers and it doesn't work. Like it's so horrible and so hard. But at the same time, I just was like, I have lost belief in anything at this point. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like it's random. That's what I think. I a hundred. That's exactly what I think too. It just sometimes works and it sometimes doesn't. And in my mind, the best answer I have for it is there's things that happen in our body and our reproductive system. And sometimes the embryo just doesn't stick. And there's not enough science to know exactly all the time or else there would be better you know, technologies and whatever. But to me, that feels more peaceful. That's that's how I feel is like that to me is a more peaceful and comfortable place to be than being like, again, like what was the lesson? If I had that failed transfer, I'm like, what do I need to learn now? That's so stressful. And I feel yes. like it just puts so much pressure on you. And I've heard all everything that you've said, like, just stop thinking about it. Just stop trying so hard. And I'm like, I literally again, had like one of the best years of my life. I didn't try or think about it for literally two years. It still didn't happen Yeah, you didn't because it wasn't going to happen based on mine and life's situation. Yeah. Based on like real medical factors. Totally. (laughs) It was like two days ago, Bentley was on a shoot all day and I was with the girls and it was like a crazy day. And I was zipping up, I zipped up Maude's sleep sack. And then one of the zipper things broke on Clementine sleep sack like it didn't have the little pole so you have to like hold it weird and it's really hard to get because of my nails <laughs> and I was like trying it and trying it and I couldn't get it I was like she's not gonna sleep if I can't get this damn sleep sack on her and I literally said out loud I was like god like dear kind of sarcastically but I was like please god just like <laughs> let this work and it just zip <laughs> you're like I'm going back to church and I was like <laughs> thinking about how funny that is because I, say what you will I don't think it was actually God, but it was just funny to think about, oh, if I had actually said like a legitimate prayer and then zipped it, like that would have been confirmation. like a testimony builder for me. And just how much confirmation bias there is in that. And now as I see it is like, we can look back and look at our journeys and we can make meaning out of them if we want to. And I find a lot of meaning in the timing of my journey. I do, but I don't think that that was imposed upon me by divine will. As I see it now, it's more like maybe there's some element of like flow and energy or whatever, but it feels just like certain things happened. And now I can choose what I make of that timeline of events. And it's almost just as humans, we have to make meaning out of things Mm -hmm. because how else are we supposed to cope with being alive? Do you know what I mean? Honestly, (laughs) I, I feel like, you know, when, when something again, like finally getting pregnant after years and years, like I just have said, like it didn't really build my testimony or confidence in being like, this was all God's plan for me, but it does make me think about just how we can choose to make meaning out of anything and how that's essentially all anyone's doing. And I think I said this on our last episode, you just attribute it to whatever you want. So I feel like everyone's just 
you know, using the framework that is comfortable to them. And that's how I see everyone's beliefs at this point. We're all just trying to make meaning and and make it make sense because being alive is hard and we go through hard things and it's much more comfortable and it's much more peaceful to make meaning and make something out of hard things that you've been through than just being like, oh, that was stupid. That was pointless. Like for me, it does feel good to be like, well, you know, I was in the midst of a really intense faith crisis when I was first trying to get pregnant. And in hindsight, am I glad that it was a few more years and that now I feel so much more confident in how I'm going to be a parent? Yeah, I I like that. And I think that me and Leif just feel so much more solid about a lot of things. So I love to make yeah. meaning out of that. But again, I feel the same way. I don't think that was imposed upon me totally. by a different, like a supernatural being. I think that... I choose to make meaning out of different things. Totally. And I think that can be really self-empowering as opposed to being like, oh, that was the lesson I was supposed to learn. It's more like, oh, I'm choosing to find this meaning and be empowered by that meaning. And honestly, more than anything, as I listen to you say it, it's more so just about gratitude, right? Do I wish, am I sad I had to go through all that hardship? Sure, Did I wish in the moment I didn't have to? Yes. But also, can I look back and say that hardship made me better and it made me learn and it put me in a better place? Yeah, you can also do that. And that's not reserved for religious people to do. I feel like it to me is more about just being grateful and saying, okay, I can be grateful for a lot of parts of that experience. The thing with infertility that I do want to touch on, especially in case anyone's listening who is trying to get pregnant, and isn't pregnant is that so much of this for me is such a different, not different conversation. We're still speaking to what it felt like in the moment, but the thing with infertility that I think is really, really hard is that you don't know. So when someone is trying to get pregnant, you don't know that they are going to get pregnant ever. You don't know. And that is what was so hard for me is If someone came down from the skies and said, you're going to get pregnant, but it's going to take six rounds of IVF, I would be like, okay, I'll do it. Great. Now I know. If someone said, you're never going to get pregnant. Okay, great. We can explore other options. I think what's so maddening about IVF, especially when people are giving you advice and telling you things is sometimes I genuinely wanted someone to just say to me like, you might not get pregnant. And I'm so sorry that you have to sit with that reality. As opposed to, it's going to be okay. It will work. It will work. Yes. I felt the same way. I've always been a very realistic, logical person. And I feel the same way where like, I had to get comfortable with the thought of it never working. And Mm. I really tried to do that in those like two years off of not really doing much for fertility stuff. I would literally sit with that and try and be comfortable with it at you know even though I I never really got there to be like completely at peace and enlightened but I was always everyone in my life like it will work I have faith like it will work it will work and that's again so nice and but I think for myself and for Leif like we would have conversations and I would be like there is no guarantee that this is going to work we need to get very comfortable with the idea of like this might not be the route or the traditional way we thought we would have kids. We can probably have a family. It might be a different way. And that's beautiful. I literally, I I got to a point where I was actually pretty comfortable, I think with Mm. that reality, because 
which is so hard, like to just give up on, I don't know, something that you, that you really do desire. But I feel the same way. It's like, sometimes it's just nice to be very realistic about things. Totally. And just have someone understand that that's what you're actually facing. Mm -hmm. Cause I think so often with infertility, people really do think like, I remember the day I was preparing for IVF and I Googled statistics. Don't ever Google statistics. Don't ever Google anything. <laughs> Don't ever when Google anything When ever. you are going through this, oh my gosh, my Google searches. No, no, I should no, be no. in jail for the Google searches. Smash the computer, smash the phone. <laughs> that even lasted for me deep into pregnancy too. Same. No, literally my OBGYN was like, she, she told me, she's like, you have to stop Googling things. She was like, literally stop. So then I just called them like every day. <laughs> I also, when I would Google things, like it would give me an answer that's like actually very comforting. And I would like dig to find the thing that's like <laughs> yeah. not the like 1% where it's like, they could happen this way. Yes. A hundred like, articles. You're yeah. fine. You're fine. You're fine. Then you find a Reddit page where someone's like, this one thing happened. And then this thing happened. It is <laughs> truly, I don't think I've ever fully spoken to this. I honestly found me personally, infertility so mentally torturous I would not wish that shit on my actual worst 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 enemy it is so so hard it is so draining as well so draining it is so I think what's so hard about it is you're doing all the physical things but the physical things just put you back into your brain and it's so much sitting and wondering and waiting and so little control that it honestly kind of makes you feel like a crazy person I actually feel like I kind of went mildly crazy while I was doing it. I feel the same way. It's I, so I hard. remember something that haunts me that I literally said to you when I, when I first saw you, I was like, Oh mm. yeah, I've been doing IVF. Like, and I was like, it hasn't really been that bad. Like I've been really pleasantly surprised <laughs> the way that if God is real, he humbled me so God quick. Was like, Oh, he's like, mm, take note. Yeah. New lesson unlocked for you to learn. <laughs> this will be the hardest thing you'll ever do. Like it was so hard. And I, it was so funny because I documented my whole IVF journey on YouTube and I was like, I really want to show people that like, you know, in my head, I wasn't saying this, but like, I really wanted to be a source of like, you know, you can still, again, like live a good life. That That's always been kind of my goal with sharing any of my infertility stuff is that you can still have a good life while you're going through infertility. You can still find moments that are happy and you can still be successful and you can still have these really, really happy, awesome moments, even though you're going through something hard. And then going through IVF, I was like, bye, never mind. This is the worst thing I've ever gone through. It's so freaking hard. It's so taxing. It's so draining. In every capacity, I was like just so humbled by it. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, never mind. And in my videos, you can kind of see like my demeanor. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. never mind. This is the worst thing I've ever gone through. Like, I take it all back. <laughs> and it's like, I wanted to give hope to people. Totally. And I felt like, okay, well now I'm like scaring everyone probably. Something that was, was good to see though, is that I did have some people comment even after my failed transfer. I, I documented all this stuff that I'm like, great. I was trying to like give people, this is a real look into IVF, but like, see, you can still have a really good experience. And I'm like, now they're going to watch this and be terrified. Mm. And I really did get quite the opposite response where they're like, you have really empowered me and like given me so much hope. And before I even shared that it was successful, I'm like, oh, that's shocking. I was scared that I was going to scare all these women who wanted to do IVF. Yeah. Um, you know, especially without having a positive result at the when I was in that stage yeah and people were just like you're showing me that like I can do it and I'm like oh that's 
not what I was expecting, but I'm really glad that that was the main takeaway. Maybe I did scare some people and they didn't comment, but, um, cause I definitely got a lot of that too. When I was just going through infertility, They're like, this is my worst nightmare. I'm terrified. I'm going to have to do IVF. And I'm like, slay, yeah, just like, going perfect. through the worst thing you've ever imagined. But yeah, I think there's, there's like a subtle difference, but I feel like your mentality was probably just like, you don't have to be so consumed, right. By something. And, you know, you feel like you want to be able to be like, I can do IVF and be this person and do these things. But I also think that can sometimes border on putting a positive spin on something that's just quite frankly, not positive at all. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay that IVF just like really, really sucks. But I think that you also show women by just being yourself and doing what you do that you don't, you didn't give everything for it for a time you did but you were still able to like foster other parts of yourself and other relationships and I think that's such a hopeful message to see too and I feel like you were portraying that with maybe out even consciously doing it well that makes me happy I feel like yeah there's uh, there's just so much and I I feel like this whole process really connected me in a deeper way to like my just I guess I don't know femininity or my womanhood like Mm. I again have always felt like I've had maybe a more masculine energy about me um just mentally and internally that's kind of always how I felt is that I'm more of not a harsh person but just like a I don't know not as like soft maybe as other women in my life and I feel like I really leaned into a lot of softness in this journey Mm. and it made me connect so deeply with other women and just being like, oh my gosh, who we as women just go through so much, whether or not you have dealt with infertility, now dealing with pregnancy and I'm sure postpartum and just even thinking about having a period and like all the things we go through. I was just like, I am so proud to be a woman. I love women. I'm I'm finding this new soft side to me that balances out Mm. this kind of more hard side to me. And I, I like it and I'm, it was, again, not to be like putting the positive spin on it, but it just, it really did change me yeah. as a person. Yeah, I love you mentioning that. I think, same. It It's kind of like, yeah, the it's not the right word to say humbled because <laughs> it has so much connotation to it. But I do feel like, I like how you use the word soft. If you're going to survive it, you kind of have to let yourself be taken care of. Mm-hmm. You have to let yourself rest. You have to. <laughs> in order to like be able to even do it. At least I did. And so I think that kind of taught me that too. It's okay to like soften up, to let people take care of you, to be more vulnerable, to be more emotional, even Mm -hmm. like these things that, yeah, I never grew up necessarily feeling that way. I think it did that too. I always kind of associated those things. And this sounds like very judgmental, which it kind of is with like laziness and weakness. Mm. I was always like, oh, if you're laying around, like you're lazy, like get up and go. Do something. Yeah. And then for the past six months, I've been on the couch (laughs) and I'm like, okay. You need to hide your thoughts from God. Yeah. I think they're listening. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. He, she, something's going on. Um, but yeah, I, I feel the same way. It's like, I've always had those things as kind of a negative thing in my mind of Mm -hmm. like, Oh, if you're so soft, you know, you have to ask for help constantly and people are taking care of you. It's like that to me showed weakness. And I think 
in hindsight, looking back, that's like, first of all, extremely judgmental. <laughs> and also then it doesn't allow you to ever show that weakness. And again, I don't perceive it as weakness now. I, I do like the word soft or just like leaning into this thing. And I think it has also changed mine and Leif's dynamic. You know, me just, he's like, oh, I've never seen you like this, like in my life. Laying around, not even just the laying around of it all, but just being very soft, I guess. And yeah. being like, hey, I need your help. Like, can you please do this for me? And just like asking for a lot more than I've ever asked in these like emotional or physical ways. But again, it's been a good experience. Yeah. Like it's, I think it has... I don't know. I've grown a lot. Like you said, humbled is maybe not the right word, but I even now feel just less judgmental in general because I'm just like, people just go through really hard things. And when you're going through something hard, it's really hard to just be the perfect, amazing, awesome person all the time. Like sometimes you just are going through something hard and it sucks and there's no even silver lining that you can find and you just need to rest. And it's it just is totally when you just get like so leveled by something, it really just changes. I think your outlook on everything. I'm curious now because you're pregnant. Congratulations. Thank you. So, so happy for you. I'm curious, first of all, how you feel like this pregnancy has been and how you feel like the infertility and even the faith transition of it all, because now you're, you seem more transitioned. Yeah, totally. From the faith, how that's affected your pregnancy and what it's been like mentally and spiritually to be pregnant. So many different thoughts. I feel like infertility in general um, has, this is like my message of hope to anyone out there who is going through it. Even though I think infertility strips you of so many quote unquote normal experiences. You know, I remember even just the surface level things being like, oh, dang, I'm never going to be able to just like, well, for one, have sex and get pregnant. Yeah, like, that'd be that nice. That would be really amazing. Um, I remember just thinking, kind of going back to the beginning, like, you know, this isn't doing IVF. It's so medical. It's not like natural. It's not just like, oh, we had sex. We're in love. And like, look what we made from our love. A beautiful child. It's like, oh, I'm literally in a lab. And like, this is, you know, it's not what I envisioned. But I think going through all of this, it really you tap into a different side of yourself and I think it gives you a lot too. It has given me just a lot of, a lot of strength to even like go through pregnancy now. And I think with the faith thing, like I mentioned, I was so much more unsure about things like a few years ago. And now that I am more transitioned into being like a lot more confident in just who I am, I wouldn't even say that I have like these, okay, now I know what I believe in. It's super solid. But again, I like that because that feels more, comfortable and almost realistic to me to be like I don't have it figured out I probably never will but I feel comfortable and confident with where I'm at it has made me so much more excited to be a parent it's made pregnancy feel spiritual in a different way on Mm. a different level has nothing to do with Mormonism anymore because I'm so far removed from I don't know. It's just so weird to think about how, again, like a few years ago, I was worried about these little details of like, oh, are we going to bless our kids? We're going to even baby blessing. Are we going to do this? Like how are our parents or our family going to react when we don't do this? And like, oh, what about when they're, I don't know. I still have little fears of that because I'm like, you know, probably all of their cousins will be Mormon or whatever. And like, I'll have like little moments where I'm like, oh, that's kind of, that might be hard or something. But overall, I just feel so much more connected to myself I see it in Leif that he feels so much more connected and confident in himself. 
makes me so much more excited to be a parent Mm. because I remember before another thing that I was like, well, you know, classic me going like, literally, I'm not even pregnant yet. I'm like doing IUIs and I'm like, for their 16th birthday, like, will they be able to date? Just like going so far. What in the am future. I going to teach them about alcohol yeah. and sex? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Like the embryo hasn't even, nothing's <laughs> yeah. been implanted yet. You're fine. But I, I was thinking about all that. And like, I remember thinking, how am I going to parent without like a guidebook? Because literally, Mormonism hands you, quite literally hands you, a for strength of youth pamphlet. Yeah, like there's a guide. There's book. guide. There are guidebooks for so many things where it's like at this age they do this, at this age they do this. When they're 16 they can date, but they can't be alone in love. Whatever. It's it's so specific. And I remember back then being like, oh my gosh, how you know, in a world like letting myself go there, I mean like in a world where maybe we don't take our kids to church and we're not involved in the church, how am I going to like make these decisions? And now, that thought seems almost silly to me where I'm like, JC, first of all, you've always hated a guidebook. You have hated guidelines (laughs) and like very stringent rules. That's your worst nightmare. Mm. Why would I like, that's not even something that I personally desire is having a guidebook to go off of for anything in my life. Mm. I feel so excited to be a parent and just lead by intuition. And like, again, I'm not saying I'm going to be perfect or I'm not going to run into situations where I'm like, oh, you know, what do I do here? Or maybe asks for some advice. But like, that's just not a concern to me is what I'm trying to say. Totally, totally. I will have people sometimes DM or comment and they're just like, are you worried about what you're going to teach your girls? And I'm like, no. (laughs) And not that's, yes, obviously, in a way, there's certain things that are, you know, but I'll figure it out. I just, what I mean by no is, not because of the church aspect of it. Right. I'm like, there is so many ways to figure out the best way to talk to your kid about sex or the best, most developmentally appropriate time for X, Y, Z. And not that that makes it simple, but to me, the church aspect in hindsight, because I went through that same thing, I'm like, oh, that made it way actually more complicated and worse. And now I just get to like know my kid know the current science as best as I can and just like make educated decisions and as just opposed like be yourself to, exactly <laughs> and just like do what you think is right yeah. like we underestimate that and I I feel so similarly I think that's like an arc a lot of people go through in a faith deconstruction is feeling so unmoored and so you know out at sea without all the rules mm-hmm. and then you're kind of like wait but those rules didn't really work all that well for me growing yeah. up. So why am I now feeling like I want these rules for my kids? There's so much freedom and I feel like excitement in being able to sit in the unknowing and know that that's just probably where you're going to be and then feel like, oh, I can figure this out myself and not feel guilty if I'm not doing it the guidebook way. Also, like the, I feel like where I've been for a long time, even before officially being like, okay, I don't connect with this at all. Kind of being more progressive Mormon, I guess, being like, oh, well, you know, that that has always been a concern of mine. Like just these certain policies that I would put in place, I'd be like, ooh, I don't like that. And I don't know what I would like tell my kids about mm-hmm. that. Again, me th- literally <laughs> age 22, <laughs> yeah. you're going to be unf- infertile for eight years, by <laughs> yeah. the way. So you're fine. But like, I remember thinking about those things and how it would be confusing. Like a few years ago, I remember thinking, it seems 
even worse to, and, and I'm not placing judgment on anyone. They can raise their kids however they want. But to me, it felt more stressful to be like, okay, you know, we would take our kids to church. We could still do that. But then when we get home, we essentially unravel everything they just learned. Like, okay, but you know, in our house, we treat everyone this way and we don't care who people love and we advocate for people, you know, and, and it's like, but they just learned that that's a sin and that their friend who's gay is going to hell. And now I have to rewire, you know, and be like, Oh, whoa, whoa, let's backtrack. And then they're singing these songs and I'm like, yeah, well that part. And I'm like, that seems like more confusing in the place that I've been for a long time, totally. which is like trying to make it work. I'm like, if it's confusing for me, can't imagine how confusing it would be for my child. And so I feel so grateful to like be on this kind of side of it. And that takes time. And to anyone, if they're feeling like stressed, I remember me talking to a friend about like, even just how I'm like, I feel legitimate anxiety about like Leif drinks coffee and we wanted to get an espresso maker. And I was like, I'm literally scared for like my family to come over or not even my, again, just families in general or certain people to be like, oh, they have an espresso maker. And now I'm like, I could not care less. It took time. Totally. But it's comforting to me that it's like, I've gotten to this point where I'm like, I literally could not actually give one care in the world if you are judging me for having an espresso maker in my house. I couldn't care less. Totally. And it does happen with time. I just the other day was talking to my mom about weed. And I was like, yeah, like I take an edible almost every night. And she was like, oh, (laughs) She doesn't love it, yeah, but yeah. I don't care. Yeah. And not that I don't care what my mom thinks, but I'm confident enough that I'm responsible, that I'm thoughtful, that I'm careful. She might not know those things yet about how you know much I use weed, but like I really don't care because I think it comes from a place of I'm so sure of, and not like I'm so sure of, every, of everything I'm doing all the time, but like I know that I'm, you know, for the most part doing right by myself and by extension doing right by my children and my family and that's just such a fun place to come to and such a happy place to be so freeing so freeing and it just it does just take time I feel like there's nothing to like yeah just yeah you know it's not a switch or anything It, it really is just a time thing at least it was for me and it still like grows every day. Like I feel like I'm not maybe a hundred percent comfortable with every single aspect or whatever. But I think it's also just like, I've always felt like even, even coming on the podcast the first time, I always have other people in the back of my mind that like Mormon friends and family, you know, when I'm speaking online, especially having a platform, I'm always conscious of like, you know, I have so many people in my life who are still Mormon, like all my extended, you know, all my cousins, all the, all these people who I love so much. And like, I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, what am I scared of when I'm talking? And I, I really came to the conclusion. I don't think I care if they judge me for it really at this point. I, I'm almost scared of the opposite. I don't want them to feel judged by like my new belief system where it's like, oh, JC just thinks that like, she knows everything or like she's better than us now. She thinks I'm silly for like what I believe in. Yeah, she's moved on. Yeah, she's moved on. It's Mm -hmm. like, I don't ever want to give that energy either, which is very hard to like toe that line of like, the thing that I'm trying to say is like now that the illusion has been so popped for me, like with Mormonism, it's like, Mm -hmm. I just don't connect with it. I don't care about it, frankly. Like Mm -hmm. at this point, it's not a part of my life like it it is it will always be there like the culture like everything runs so deep but we were driving past a temple the other day and I looked at it and I almost I kind of got choked up because I was like 
it, it means nothing to me. Mm. That is just a building to me. Yeah. That has like no significance to my life. And even saying that right now, I'm like, grandma, don't listen. <laughs> like, Sorry, grandma. Like, it just makes me, when it is so much a part of your identity is so wrapped up in it, that feels so disrespectful. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other topic that we probably shouldn't even be, we could talk about that for an hour, but it's like, I think it's, it is so hard sometimes. What I'm trying to get at is it's so hard sometimes to speak your truth and be like, oh yeah, like that's just a building I don't care about because that sentiment to other people, they're like, that's the most disrespectful thing you could ever say because that building means so much to me. And now I literally don't like you because you're such a rude, disrespectful person. Totally. And I'm like, totally. wait, I hate that because I don't ever want to give that energy. Do you know totally. what I mean? I, I think there's, I've never crystallized it this way, but I think there's a difference between feeling comfortable with your own beliefs. And then there's like this other step to it, which is also feeling comfortable that whatever you believe and say, even if you trust your intentions, that people are going to make of that what they will. And that it might be really hurtful to people, even if you don't mean it that way, or it might feel diminishing or something. But I think if you know that you, you are trying your best to be respectful and kind, that's just all you can do. And I think people sense that too. I, I saw this post the other day. It was someone who's like very religious and they posted a whole Instagram caption about how religious they were. And I was kind of like, you know, I don't, I didn't love it, Mm -hmm. but I was like, who cares? Yeah. They didn't post that with me in mind. And I'm so glad they didn't. Right. Because if everyone posted everything with me in mind, that would be a very different, very boring world. And so I don't have to do the same. Like it's okay. And I think that it's really freeing. And then that also opens up the ability to connect with people who do feel similarly, which is totally. such a gift to not only you, but also to the other people who feel similarly. You I know? couldn't agree more. I think you've done. I just want to, before we end, just say, I know that you sharing all the IVF stuff and I know you know this too, but I just feel like when I was going through IVF and I didn't even know you, it was a huge deal to me that you shared about going through infertility. It really was. You know, you know other people going through it, but to have someone who I was listening to twice a week and I was like, I feel like I know you and to have you talk about that was so meaningful for me. And I know it didn't, it came at a price, obviously, hopefully with a lot of good too, as you've talked about, but I'm so appreciative of it. And I know that your journey and your sharing is, is really a big deal for people. So I'm very grateful personally and selfishly that you did that. But I also am so glad that we could connect over it and talk about all the niche, niche factors that go into it because it's really healing to connect that way. Thank you so much. Thank you for saying that. And it, it really does make it feel worth it. I have such a special like place in my heart. Someone recently did a or asked me on a Q&A, do you feel healed from like your infertility? Just years of going through that now that you're pregnant and like mm. you kind of, you know, obviously got what you were wanting and I was just thinking like, no, I, I, in a way, yes, because mm. it did release a huge burden of this unknown, like, will it ever happen? It he- healed that, I guess, in a sense. But I feel like I, you don't just forget about, you know, four years of your life of struggling. And I even had like this little bit of tinge of guilt when I got pregnant because I felt like I was like leaving my infertility girlies behind mm-hmm, in a way. Mm-hmm. But 
I'm just like, I'm getting emotional, but I, I want everyone to know that it's like, I'm still here with you. If you're going through that, like I feel for you so deeply and it's, it's such a hard thing to go through. Like you said, it's so draining. It's so incredibly hard. And now that I'm pregnant, I would hate to just be like, cool. Bye. Like Mm -hmm. all this, you know, it was all worth it. It's all fine now. Like it, it's such a hard thing to go through. It really is. And so I, I'm glad that I shared even through, you know, maybe annoying messages here and there. Like, I'm so glad that I've shared it all just with the people and the women that I've been able to connect with. And yeah, I'm grateful for you giving me this chance to talk even more about all the faith stuff. Cause I feel like it's also intertwined. Yes. I really appreciate it. I think that it's just, it's, it's a wild ride to be faith transitioning, deconstructing and doing infertility. And I'm sure there's a lot of women out there who are doing that or who have done that too. And yeah, I think we could seriously talk for so much longer. I'm so excited to watch you become a mom. I think that's one of the gifts that I've experienced with infertility is I do think it shapes how you enter. Of course it shapes how you enter motherhood. Definitely. And it's been for me, I'm, I'm grateful for that aspect of it. I'm grateful for the infertility part for how it's kind of shaped how I view my children now. And I'm just so excited for you and excited for kids to be running around together someday. So soon. fun. Sooner rather than later. Yeah, I know. It's oh my gosh, it's going by so quick. I'm shook. Yeah, I can't wait. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I love you campers. We love you. Bye. G-I-R-